Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How was Halloween for your three little trick-or-treaters? Or not so little. One of them went out on his own, right? Yeah, we, we didn't see him. He he took off right after school. and uh, But, you know, he had a good old time with his buddies. And then the other two, they, they lasted about two hours of, you know, sprinting house to house. And it was... <laughs> perfect weather here but it was a little weird that it was a school night mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that that took some of the fun factor out of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it, it was a good time yeah yeah it was at times pouring rain here in portland just oh. dumping buckets at times and so this group of gals that i would assume they were probably middle school age they came up and were just kind of laughing and being very gregarious and at this point it was raining super hard and i said oh i'm so sorry it's raining and they said it's okay it's better than soccer practice in the rain i'm like (laughs) i love that girl she must be a native portlander (laughs) so and this was the first year that my son who's 17 he did not go out i was gone over the weekend i was um, coming back from rancho la puerta and so they went out out to a party with some of their friends, um, he and his twin sister and their best friend. But so he helped me, you know, man the door. And he was so sweet when kids would come to the door and being like oh. really engaging them and complimenting them and oh, all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that was very sweet to see the shoe being on the other foot for my son. Yeah, yeah. that is nice. Yeah. We did the old, you know, put the bowl of candy out on the uh-huh. doorstep. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're always walking around with our own kids and yeah. I stopped by a few times and did the refill. And it was funny, I was walking back at six thirty and it was getting dark. And I just see these kids raiding the candy bowl. And it turns out it was my son's friends. <laughs> so, so I kind of razzed them a little bit. And then I told them, I said, oh, just take the whole bowl. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Turn the light off. We're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. We uh, Our first trick-or-treater came by while I was still working. And I was really kind of in the midst. I was in a flow state. And I was like, ah. Oh, Ah, interruption. What's going on? And I go, and I'm like, oh, it's a trick or treater. And it was this little girl from down the street. She maybe three and she was dressed as a mail carrier. Oh, so cute. And our, our regular mail hadn't even come yet that day, even though it was 445. I just was like, oh my gosh, so cute. But then like, how much can you coo over other people's children? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the, the creativity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of seeing what the kids and even, I don't, I don't know about your, neighborhood but a lot of the adults in Mm -hmm. our neighborhood there was one woman she was dressed up like a piñata and it was brilliant (laughs) she had a whole wagon of candy with her and she she was like spilling candy everywhere and I thought oh god bless her for for just having the creativity and the time to put that one together oh yeah oh I love creativity oh my gosh the the mail carrier the little mail carrier's father both her parents were there but the father had like all this fluffy cotton on his head with a rainbow attached to the front and then kind of little rain (laughs) drops falling on a um, little string hanging down from it and then he was wearing all black so I guess he was a rain cloud I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to ask him but I was like I was like yes and I think that's homemade I love that <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so did you have any races in the month of October no I did not I traveled to a race <laughs> a certain race uh-huh, yes. yes coach Jen and I went over to Hawaii to support our athletes doing the Ironman World Championship. So that was really a great trip. Mm. But no races for me, no. 
Okay, what stands out in your mind from Kona? Was there some racer who really seemed to make it extra epic? Well, I mean, as a woman, it was really exciting to see a full day dedicated to the women's race. Mm. And, you know, really give women the attention they deserve and, and highlight, you know, the, the women's coverage is always kind of secondary to whoever the first male is out on the course. Mm-hmm. So this year, it was great to see the women have their day to shine. And the woman who won, she's a, a newer mom mm. uh, and she's from America. So that was that was really exciting to watch. Wow. wow. So so you're saying women race on one day and male athletes yeah. on the other day. And who, who yeah. went who went on Saturday, who went on Sunday? Well, so they gave the women Thursday, which I just find really funny, <laughs> you know, Random. As, if, as if any woman could just take off in the middle of the week to go do her Ironman. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, the men had Saturday. And so oh. the men's race was a little bit more widely mm-hmm. viewed. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, it's it's a starting point. It's a step in the right direction for women's sport and triathlon. Mm-hmm. And they finally had, I believe they had an equal number of women pros and male pros mm. out there. So it's it's a good thing. It's, it's becoming a, a little more balanced. And the mm. opportunity, you know, now that women have a full day of racing, that means that many more women amateurs can participate mm. because mm-hmm. it used to be based on kind of like a percentage in your age group. And so mm-hmm. women were always underrepresented. So now it's, I think there's a little bit more of an equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And do you have any sense of when non-binary racers like, did they get to choose which day they raced or do, do we know where they fit into the? That's a great question and a very timely question. And I don't know how to answer that. Um, I haven't heard anything about that, but mm-hmm. that would be a really interesting one to uh, find out the answer to. Mm-hmm. And why was there a day in between? Was that just so that it wouldn't, <laughs> the whole thing wouldn't be stacked on each other? Or? I, that is a, that another brilliant question there, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> I, I suppose to maybe give the personnel organizing the race, right. you know, an Ironman in Hawaii is, is a huge undertaking mm-hmm. and maybe just the concern that it would deplete some of the resources. Mm-hmm. And I know that the volunteers were an issue this year, just not having enough volunteers. Oh, um, okay. I mean, first of all, who can take a day off of work to volunteer? Particularly Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe they just put a little buffer in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Inquiring minds want to know. Well, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know you and I are delighted to welcome Michael Wardian as our guest today. Mike is a professional runner and a father of two endeavors he combined in the early years by often pushing a running stroller in races. And he did so very fast as in running a marathon in well under three hours while pushing one of his sons. Mike has finished well over 300 marathons and ultra marathons and has won marathons on all seven continents. Let that stat sink in for a sec. Winning marathons on all seven continents. So while we rarely talk to father runners on this podcast, I'll admit I made an exception for Mike because he's also a pickleball fanatic. <laughs> so, so we'll talk about that after running. Don't worry. I will, I will make the priorities the right way they should be on this podcast. Liz and I will welcome Mike Wardian after this brief break. Stay tuned. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about your athletic background. Uh, yeah, my athletic background started uh, pretty early. I started playing sports uh, growing up. I played a sport called lacrosse. I from the East Coast here. I'm still based in Arlington, Virginia, but I was growing up uh, about 15 miles from where I live now in Oakton, Virginia. I played 
lacrosse from fifth grade uh, all the way through college at Michigan State University, playing Division One, And then I picked up running kind of just to stay fit. That's how I started running, and but I didn't come from like a cross-country or track background. Well, you're making up for lost time. trying (laughs) yeah yeah so to set the stage for folks who perhaps aren't familiar with you talk about what the word relentless means to you it turns up pretty much in all of your social media posts uh yeah i think that that's uh, something that i try to embody i am known for a lot of different things one of the i guess biggest things or the thing that i hear the most is i like to race a lot or compete a lot or i'm always active so i'm a professional marathon and ultra marathon runner so before the pandemic i was racing i don't know 40 to 50 times a year in all distances from 1 mile up to 3 days at a time uh running a race called the quarantine backyard ultra where i ran 263 miles nonstop for 63 hours. Um, so I have a, a big range of activities that I, I take part in, but I'm not just a marathon and ultra marathon runner that does it professionally, but I'm a husband, a father. We have two boys, uh, Pierce, who's 16, and Grant, who's 13. Uh, we have two Vishlas, which are Highly active, uh, Bash, who's two, Rosie, who's nine, and uh, my wife, Jen- Jennifer, helps try to keep everything straight and organized and making our lives better. And then I'm also a owner slash partner in an international ship brokerage that does humanitarian food aid shipments. Oh. Yeah. So it's a pretty busy life, but it's a relentless schedule, but also I just love being busy and, and staying active and, and seeing what's possible. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly were relentless in your running home project earlier this year. So share some details about that epic adventure with us. Yeah, that was my biggest adventure to date. My goal was to try to raise $100,000 for clean water projects through World Vision USA. I'm happy to say that we surpassed the goal. The goal was mm-hmm. to try to do the run in 75 days or less. It actually ended up being 61 days uh, running 3,234 miles from San Francisco City Hall to Rehoboth Beach Boardwalk in Delaware, uh, all along Route 50. I actually live on Route 50 in Arlington, Virginia, mm-hmm. and the majority of the run was on Route 50. And I don't know if your audience knows, but Route 50 goes from Sacramento to Ocean City in Maryland. So mm. I ran from San Francisco to Sacramento in a couple of days and then was basically on Route 50 until I got to the um, Bay Bridge <laughs> in uh Washington, D.C. area. And then I had to kind of go up and around because they don't let pedestrians on the Bay Bridge, unfortunately. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't let that stop you, though. Uh, I, I wasn't able to go across the Bay Bridge, but I found an alternative route, which was awesome, but also kind of a bummer because it added about 150 miles. So <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> um, I try to average 50 or more miles a day, and I ended up averaging 52 miles a day. And then my longest day was 104 miles. So <laughs> I, I, I definitely had a lot of long days. Most days were about 12 hours. And I was, I was really fortunate. I, I hired this really incredible guy named Eric Bells, who was my crew chief. And then my father was with me for a majority of the trip and my dad's friend, Henry. So we had a 
really good group of uh, people that were helping me to achieve this. But the most important thing was that we raised so much money for charity and changed over 2000 people's lives for the better uh, permanently. So mm. that, that was really cool to me to be able to use my running for a good cause. And it was a, a lifetime dream for me to run across the country and still something I'm kind of wrapping my head around and, and unfortunately recovering from like, I I've never done a, a project this big. So uh, the recovery aspect of it is um, taking a little bit longer than I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it, it's definitely been a long process kind of getting, getting my strength back and, and getting ready to, you know, start competing again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this weekend you have, you're running the New York City Marathon in, in special style. I suspect you won't be exactly racing it, but you're going to be helping someone live out their dream to run that race. Can you share the details with us? Yeah, it's amazing. So I've paced adaptive athletes in the past. In particular, I've paced people at the Boston Marathon, the CIM Marathon in Sacramento. And this is my first time pacing the New York City Marathon, but I'm pacing a guy named Francesco. Uh, and he is a visually impaired athlete. So it'll be pacing him to hopefully around a three hour and 30 minute marathon. So not jogging, but um, and definitely my marathon PR is 217. And this past wow. weekend, I just finished second in the Marine Corps 50K in about three hours and 18 minutes. So I feel like I've got the fitness for it, but it's always a challenge, uh, you know, working with somebody else and we haven't had a chance to really practice together. So we're going to hopefully get a quick run in this weekend just to, you know, see how he likes to, how he likes to do it, what kind of cues that he likes. Mm -hmm. But I, I highly recommend if your audience hasn't ever checked it out before, there's so many athletes that are out there that are looking for guides and I'm doing it through Achilles International, Mm -hmm. but there's also other organizations that you can, you can run and, and do this for to help uh, other people achieve their dreams. And it'll be just you and him, or I know sometimes there's two pace runners. Yeah, that's a, that's a great call. I think it's just going to be me and him uh, Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. entirety of the run. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, people have trouble uh, guiding as kind of, um, it's really energy depleting. So you can, you can wear out. So a lot of times they'll switch people out at halfway. Mm -hmm. And I've done it with a guy named Chaz Davis, who's super fast. And he runs like a 231 marathon. And so uh, if you're pacing him, a lot of times they switch people out just because it's such a hard, fast pace Mm -hmm. to run uh, Mm -hmm. and then be talking the entire time. Right. So you're Mm -hmm. basically like, hey, we've got a hill coming up. We've got a turn coming up. And then you're you're basically making sure that they're not getting run into by everyone else uh, that's out on the course, too, that just has no idea what, you know, that you're working with somebody that's you know visually challenged or. I've done another run with a guy named Brian Reynolds, who's a a double amputee. And so like, you know, you just want to make sure that he's clear so that he's not tripping or slipping on anything or, Mm -hmm. you know, the cups can get kind of dicey at the aid stations or Mm -hmm. uh, people get too close. They don't see that he's got a little bit longer stride length because uh, he's running with blades rather than you know, somebody that's running without those. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's one of the most amazing things that I've ever done. And I'm excited to to be a part of it this weekend and, and help Francesco get to where he wants to go. Nice. Awesome. So Mike, you've put a lot of miles on those legs. What do you think it is that allows you to put in all of those miles on your body? Um, 
I think that's a great question. I think I've been lucky to, you know, avoid injury for the most part. So um, my body has held up really well over the years. Uh, I've had a couple bouts of injury, but for the most part, I try to eat really well. I try to take care of myself. The one thing that I could probably do better is I'm not a great sleeper. So like I've been trying to be better about getting, getting more rest and more quality rest. But I think for me, it's the mindset. Like I, I really do feel like I love doing these things and I try to put myself in the best position to do that. And so I eat vegetarian, pretty much vegan at the moment. Like the only animal products that I consume right now is honey for the run across the country. I was eating eggs still at that point, but I've since taken those out of my diet, but it's a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, and then just good quality nutrition in general. And then trying to stay on top of my fitness and I do a lot of strength training also. So I think that's really helped me stay healthy and strong and fit and lets me do these things and continue to do them. I'm an older athlete also. I'm 48 right now. So I've been running professionally for over 25 years or so. So it's it's been kind of a progress to get to this point, but it's also like, I think, really sustainable. And for me, it works really well. Yeah. So I'm wondering about what advice you might have for gals whose motivation is MIA after a goal race. I mean, you're able to go from one <laughs> one big race to another. I mean, you just ran the Marine Corps 50K. Now you're doing New York City. So for folks who after a race are like, what next? You know, I don't want to go out there. What What can you tell them? Seems like you're just like always raring to go. Yeah, but it, it's interesting because as soon as I finished the run across the country, you know, the next logical question is what's next or like, what do you do to top that? And mm-hmm. it, it's been hard for me too. Like I, I have a lot of these races and events and challenges that I've come up with, you know, fastest known times or FKTs, <laughs> you know, self-directed adventures. You don't have to know. I think that's the thing that I've taken away from this time. I feel like let your body recover I find actually like moving and and keeping active actually helps me recover faster, which I think sounds counterintuitive because you're like, oh, I just did this big effort and now I want to rest. But I feel like light, easy movement is is really helpful. So I get back to training as quick as I can. And then I just try to find something that lights me up inside and makes me excited. And so that's the biggest thing I can say is like, it's almost like in running and you guys know this, you may have had like, whatever your goal was in mind. And if it's not something that is important to you, like running, will strip that away really fast. Like if you're doing it to like impress your neighbor or because, you know, your mom told you you couldn't or (laughs) whatever it is and you get to mile 18 or 80 or whatever it is. And it's not something that you really care about and it's superficial. It's going to be like, I don't care. I'm just going to quit. So I think you need to have something that makes you excited. I think for me, it's like something that's kind of almost unattainable or it feels that way. Like that's what gets me really excited and makes me want to wake up at 445 in the morning when it's nice and warm in my bed and I don't want to go. And Rosie's cuddling against my leg and I'm just like, Hey, if I want to achieve this thing, I got to go and do it. And there's nothing better than having something on the calendar, but also it's okay. If if you don't, it'll come and there'll be something that you're excited about. And the other big thing that I try to do is just say yes to as many things as possible. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I get a lot of opportunities and instead of like saying no, the first thing I'm like, okay, yes. And then like, how do I make this work? And so try to be open to what's out there and, and don't be afraid to fail. I think that's something that served me well over the years is I started CrossFit during the pandemic and like, I I'm still not strong compared to like CrossFit people, but I'm a lot stronger than I used to be. And so, you know, be open to, to not being good at something at first. Like right now I'm fascinated with pickleball and mm-hmm. um, I feel like I should be so much better because I'm an athlete and all this stuff, not realizing like a lot of the people I'm playing with have been playing four or five years or come from a tennis background. And you just have to be okay with, you know, not being as good in some, in one aspect as, as another. But if you keep working at things like you get better. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about running. And that's what I love about life is you're willing to put in the work and the time, then you'll start to see the results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll definitely get to your pickleball because I'm sitting here waiting for it. Yeah. 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 Oh, but, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. But first, but first we're going to talk about your family for a sec. You mentioned your wife earlier. And thanks to the miracle of the internet, uh, I know that you recently celebrated your 18th wedding anniversary. So congrats on that. Well, Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Good research. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you, Instagram. And uh, talk to us about the support you get from your wife and your greater family. I love that your dad was along for the ride on the cross country journey. Yeah, that was interesting. Like it's, uh, it's always interesting when you, what's funny is, and you guys probably know this is like, in I think this is true, but like the majority of the time you're going to spend as a parent or with your parents is before you're 18. Right. And then you like head away, you maybe, you know, get a job or you go to school or, or whatever. And, and so like, you know, 80 or 90% of the time you're going to spend is up until that point. So like, I really hadn't been around my, my, my dad that much in, in a large part of my life. So probably more of my life has been away from my dad than it was with him. And, it was definitely exciting to have that experience. Like it's something I'll never forget, but you also, you know, you realize why, why you left home in the first place. (laughs) It was awesome. He's a great guy. And it it was fun to, to kind of share that with him. And as far as my wife, like she's super important to allowing me to, to have these opportunities and she's a big part of them. She's been with me all over the world and she's seen me progress from like a regional runner to a, national runner to, you know, someone that competes around the world now. And, mm-hmm. um, she's been there on every step of the way, you know, in the good times, you know, when we're crossing finish lines and things are going great to, you know, take, taking me to the emergency room when, you know, I may have overstepped on the treadmill and, and ended up getting too dehydrated or something. So mm. yeah, she's a great partner and, you know, I couldn't do it without her. So we also know that your 16-year-old son recently ran his first half marathon. So how does it feel to have a kid that you used to famously push in a stroller now run all of those miles by himself? It was a dream come true. Like I I remember when he first arrived on the scene, hoping for this day, pushing him and Grant in the stroller and, and hoping someday that they would share miles with me and the week before that, actually, all of us did a 5K together and, and Grant, our 13-year-old, broke 30 minutes for the first time, which was amazing. Awesome. Pierce actually ended up third and and I was able to win the race. So like it was just unbelievably cool to to see them 
you know, finding fitness and, and enjoying the process and watching Pierce at the half marathon. And I actually ran with him. So I paced him and his buddy Lucas and, and my brother was there too. And actually Lucas ended up slowing down a little bit and Pierce actually ended up feeling a little bit stronger. So I didn't even get to cross the finish line with him, which was a bit of a bummer because <laughs> I, I was back helping his buddy Lucas out, but I, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. And it was just neat to see him, you know, take on the challenge. And it was surprising because, you know, it was two days after the end of his cross country season. And I said, I was going to run the marathon and he said, Hey, well, that would be cool. Maybe I can run the half marathon. And I was like, really? I didn't know you had any interest. Like I haven't pushed him in this direction or not. And he, yeah, wanted to do it on his own. And then what was so amazing to me was just how effortless he made it look like he just took his time and was smart. And then with like three or four miles to go, he just, cranked and like he looked like he could have finished a full marathon no problem and so that makes me super excited I can't wait to the day where I'm not able to keep up anymore and watching him and Grant just do even bigger and better things than I've ever done Mm, that's very sweet that's very sweet all right we've come to the part I've been waiting for where we talk about your other sporting obsession pickleball so I've been playing for about a year and I am officially addicted as I said and um so like so many other folks are so Mike how did you discover the sport of pickleball it's weird I discovered it at uh we have a place in Rehoboth Beach in Delaware and my buddy Rick Poppleton Mm -hmm. and he was like, Hey, you want to play pickleball? And I'd heard of it probably like you guys kind of in your peripheral, like I know that there's ultimate Frisbee, but I don't really know that much (laughs) about it. Right. Uh uh And I quickly ran out to like Walmart and we bought some like really cheap paddles and uh, met him at the courts. And like, after a couple of minutes, I was like, man, I I feel like I could get into this. (laughs) And within the next day, I think Jennifer bought us like real paddles on Amazon that are like, they're actually not, not very good paddles, but like (laughs) compared to the Walmart paddles, they were like a huge upgrade. Mm -hmm. And I think within a week I had met my buddy Andy and he was, or is the president of first state pickleball. And he's like, Hey man, I, he knew me from running, but he had never seen me playing pickleball. And he's, started watching me play. And I think within a month he was like, Hey man, you should play in like a little bit higher level game than Mm -hmm. where I was playing. And so I quickly fell in with a good group of people in Rehoboth and started playing every day. And then, you know, two (laughs) or three hours a day. And then, (laughs) you know, you get a nicer paddle. And and now I actually have a sponsorship with Yola paddles, which is like probably in my opinion, the best paddles on the market at the moment. And uh, they sponsor some of the top athletes in the entire world for pickleball. So like, it's been a a pretty fast journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still not good. I'm actually, uh, my buddy and I are going to go drill this afternoon after we're done with this call because (laughs) uh, I hadn't had a chance to go earlier. But yeah, so I'm really into it. I'm working hard to get better. And, you know, the goal is to try to, to make it to, I don't know if you know the rating system, but you mm-hmm. know, there's like three mm-hmm. O, four O. So I'm about four O right now. And the goal is to make it to, you know, five and then try to go pro. So, mm, very so nice. I don't know what level are you at the moment? About a three, five. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So we'd have a good game then. Oh, yeah, right on. <laughs> so, so Mike, you were talking about right there that, you know, the balancing, the, the, your work, your running, you know, how do you balance the demands of being a professional runner and, you know, trying to become a professional pickleball player? Cause earlier this year, before I developed some bulging discs, which has taken me out running for a while, I opted out of marathon training because I'm like, no way. I don't have enough time to do that and play as much pickleball as I want to. <laughs> so, you know, hashtag priorities. Right. So how do you balance balance those demands? I mean, I think for me, it's, it's always been a balance, right? It's been a balance between like uh, family and work and running and my other kind of like I'm super into chess and cycling and all kinds of just things. And it's hard. Like I was actually talking to a buddy of mine today and he was having some trouble trying to make it all work. And I think the biggest thing is for me, it's like waking up early. So like, I feel like not many people need you at like four forty-five in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to get up and get one, at least one or two workouts done before everyone's up and then trying to be present when, you know, we're dealing with kids, which is awesome, but I want to try to be there for them in the morning then I take them to the bus stop and then I start doing, you know, work or trying to get in another, another workout. So, you know, trying to honor your obligations, but also try to fit everything in. It's, it's definitely a challenge, but I think it's like anything. When I was commuting, I discovered like, instead of driving, I could just run, you know, (laughs) just trying to figure out efficient ways to do it. Like I want to stretch, but I don't want to make the time for it. So like I'll stretch in the shower, like (laughs) when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll stretch. When I take a phone call, I'll do some push-ups. So just kind of trying to figure out every way that you can be efficient with your time and, and then utilize it to the most. And I think for me, that's worked. And then also not being afraid to ask for help. Like, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And if there's Mm -hmm. something that you can't get done or, people will want to help you achieve these things. And so it's kind of like when I first started running, I'd be afraid to ask people at the aid stations to help me. I'd be like, Oh, I got it. No, it's fine. And now, now I'm like, I need water. I need, you know, Gatorade or I need goo, two of them, please. Or whatever it is because the people are there and their whole reason for being there is because they want to help. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if you don't take advantage of, people when they're wanting to help you, then I think you're just making life harder for no reason. Amen to that. And, but I have to circle back to something. Your 16 and 13 year olds still let you drive them or take them to the bus stop. Like <laughs> halfway, 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 halfway. <laughs> or then they like dad, dad, no, you can't come any further. Just leave us Pre- here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I go halfway with them. So, uh, <laughs> so we meet up with a couple of their friends and then we walk halfway and then I just kind of take the dogs for a walk. Well, that's, that's, that's sweet that they'll let you walk with them and their friends. That's very darling oh yeah yeah they're really it's it's awesome they're super cool so so far that it's they're not like embarrassed of us too much Mm -hmm. but i'm sure it's coming (laughs) (laughs) so mike sarah asked me to co-host this because she feels i have a light-hearted skepticism about oh, good. pickleball. And <laughs> so that brings me Wait, to my are next you a tennis player. Well, actually I did grow up playing tennis. But um I guess that brings me to my next question. You know, there's a lot of sports out there and, and you've got this running thing going. Why pickleball? Like what is it about mm. pickleball that just drives you to want to get really good at it? Mm, I like it. Um 
there's a lot of different things. So one is the community. Like I love the community. Like I feel like the, the running and ultra running community is second to none, but the pickleball community is really inclusive. Like everyone's trying to get better for, and everyone's trying to help everyone else get better, at least in our area, which is really cool. I mean, there is, you know, some weirdness like in any group, but for the most part, I think that's really neat in particular regarding the sport. Like I love the fact that it's easy to learn, but hard to master. It's kind of mm-hmm. like chess or, or checkers or something like, Oh yeah, that looks super easy. And then you play a couple of times and you're like, Oh yeah, that's easy. Like you get the hang of it pretty quick, but then you're like, Oh, now I want to get better. And it's similar to running in that sense. Like everyone knows how to run. Right. But like becoming like a really efficient runner or being a smart runner or being a strong runner, that takes a lot of practice and commitment and you have to stack days on top of each other. And so I feel like that's the same with pickleball. Like, yeah, anyone can go out there and and you can knock it around and like, it's super fun. But if you watch the really amazing pickleball, like, you know, some of the people on, on my team, for instance, like, they make it look effortless. And there's actually a really amazing, like, it seems like you guys do some social media too, but there's this really amazing reel where the guy's like, if anyone makes something look super easy, it's not because it's easy. It's because they spent a lot of time making it look (laughs) Mm -hmm. that way. And that's how I feel about pickleball. Like it's so many little things make a big difference. And it's also like they're singles, but for the most part, it's a, a team that you play with somebody else. Like the most popular I guess, way to play that I know. And Sarah, you can correct me if you think this is wrong, but it's doubles. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're having to work with a partner and the partner is always changing. So it's never the same game and you have to tailor your game to your partner's game. So Mm -hmm. I like that aspect of it. And I like, you know, not being a hundred percent amazing at something. Like I like having to work towards a goal and Mm -hmm. I like seeing progress. And Mm -hmm. so when you're doing something that you've not had a lot of exposure to. Like I'm lucky that I came from a ball background. Like I I don't have like tennis background, but I do have like lacrosse background. And so I'm used to eye hand coordination and stuff. And so like, I like utilizing that aspect of my body and physiology again, like I like the sound it makes too, which is sounds weird. Like, cause a lot of people that don't play find it super annoying, the popping mm-hmm. sound, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I really, I really do enjoy the way that it, it sounds. And then somebody said this once and I, and I feel like it's kind of true about pickleball. It's like uh, about golf. They said like, you know, you could play the entire round terrible and you have one shot that's amazing. And like that brings you back. And I feel like pickleball is the same way. Like you can have a terrible day and I do have a lot of terrible days because I'm playing with people that are like much better than me. And so mm-hmm. I will play in these little pop-up tournaments and it'll be like, you play like seven games and I'll lose all seven, you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> hosing my partner every time, but like, I'll make one good shot and I'll be like, Oh, that's enough to you know make it all worthwhile. <laughs> well, I have to, other than laughing over your dogs barking, Mike, but yes. uh, I have to, I have to laugh at, I haven't played pickleball since uh, Friday and today's Wednesday and hearing you talk all about it. I'm like, Oh, I hope the rain stops <laughs> soon so I can get back out there. <laughs> so. Yes, totally. Well, and it's weird because now I like belong to like the uh, local gym, which is where I set the 50k and marathon indoor world record on the on the track. And mm-hmm. like, 
now I play pickleball in the middle, you know? And like, <laughs> it, it's funny, like to be, and my friend was trying to get me to join like another like tennis place to, to be able to play when the weather's not good right now. It's just unbelievably beautiful where we are. So mm, mm. Uh, I'm hoping the afternoon is, it stays really nice. Oh my goodness. It's good that time is a continuum because otherwise, you know, you'd, you'd be your going around that track countless times self <laughs> seeing your pickleball self in the middle and be like, wait, what, what am I going to get into in a couple of years? I can't believe this. Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Since we are a running show, I will I will leave the topic of pickleball behind as low as, as I am to do that. Well, there is running in it, too. Like people think you don't really run around. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is quite a bit of cardio. I mean, it's not as much as tennis or something like that because the court's smaller and you're covering less of it as mm-hmm. if you're playing doubles. But mm-hmm. you are moving around. And it, it, for me, it's nice too, Elizabeth to like move around yeah. in a different way. Like or yeah. running, we're going so much uh, straight line. So it, it's nice to be moving forward and backwards and side to side and kind of getting those muscles involved, which as a runner, you're not using as much as you could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I figure, you know, Stacy Sims is all about, you know, tells, uh, you know, menopause age women to that they should be jumping and, and doing all that sort of thing. I'm like, well, I'm doing a lot of jumps in pickleball. Like, you know, when I get up there at the net, I set myself down and, you know, the whole bit. So I'm, I'm working for it. So, um, so yeah, well, if you're jumping at the net, that's probably good. But if you're jumping and it's mid quarter back, you should probably let it fly. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Particularly since I'm 5'11", so I can get a lot of those shots at the net. So, oh, good. Uh, you have length too. Yes. Yeah. Being long is is helpful yes yes um so all right so we'll let us pick your brains for a bit please how about some tips for folks who are looking to step up to ultra running i think that that's great yeah i mean i think some people and and i feel like myself included feel like it's actually easier than some of the shorter distances because Mm -hmm. it's not the intensity is less um Mm -hmm. or it can be i mean it depends like what your goals are right a lot of times, like your goal might just be to finish. And if that's the case, sometimes it's easier for a 50 or 100 miler uh, than it is for a marathon, just because you're not redlining the entire time. You're, mm-hmm. you know, taking a little bit easier. And if you can continue to eat and drink, like you can get it done. And I think what can be intimidating is like people think they're going to have to train, you know, twice as much to do 50 miles as they do for a marathon. And it doesn't really work that way. Like, mm-hmm you can kind of be clever about how you do your training and that uh, you do kind of marathon training and string some longer back-to-back runs together or just longer time on your feet or even doing some, and I don't know if people want to do this, but you can do some weight vest stuff or even just running with a full pack just to get used to like what it's going to be like to be out there for that long. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times it's just really about taking care of yourself. So like just being, cognizant of like how much you're eating, when you're eating, uh, if you have a hot spot, taking care of it. And I think it's great because it really teaches you to, you know, know your body and and know your pace and to be familiar with what it's going to feel like. Uh, and to be able to project, like, how do you feel in hour one is probably not how you're going to feel at hour 25. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Ian Sharman, he actually had a good quote. He said, if you wouldn't run this hill at mile 90, you probably shouldn't run it at mile two. <laughs> and it, it's about, it's like that in a lot of things is that you have to be cognizant of how much you're expending and then, you know, how much you're putting in. And I feel like it's, it's a great 
way to experience a whole different part of running and, and a chance for people to learn a lot about themselves because the longer it goes, the more things that are going to go wrong and you're going to learn how you deal with things. And what's awesome about it, and you can get this in any race, but in your head, you're, you probably have an idea of how it's going to go. And I can tell you, for me, it never quite goes the way I hope. Like there's been a couple days where it's been, everything's been perfect, but something you didn't think was going to be a problem will be. And something that was like going to be super scary, like a big climb or, Mm -hmm. you know, I've done races like hard rock where, you know, you get lightning in the afternoon and I was freaking out. I was going (laughs) to get struck by lightning and, you know, the chances of that happening is not very much or like getting mauled by a bear or something like doesn't, doesn't normally happen, but like, you know, maybe not changing your socks and then getting a blister that like makes you go a lot slower. Like that's probably a more realistic thing that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. uh, you'll get a chance to kind of experience all those things and running strips away all the pretense. And so, you know, you can think you're the toughest person in the world and at mile 60, you know, if your mom was there, like I know I would have called for her to take me home uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago at Hard Rock. Like if, if it was possible, I would have. Uh, I ended up finishing the race, but I didn't want to be there anymore. And so, you know, you'll find resilience. You'll find uh, strength you didn't know existed. You'll be able to overcome things that seemed insurmountable. And I mean, ultra is, is a huge category. Like, you know, anything longer than a marathon is an ultra. So that means like, Traditionally, that's like 50K, 50 miles, 100K, 100 miles. But, you know, there's seven-day races. There's things like I did where I ran across the country. There's uh, just going out your front door and going 12 hours in any direction. Like, there's lots of different ways that you can experience ultra. And, you know, I would just recommend for someone to, you know, try it out and, and see what works for them. Like, first step for a lot of marathoners is a 50K. Like, I... Like you said, I just did the Marine Corps 50K this past mm-hmm. weekend, and I think there was over 1,300 people there. And, wow. you know, a lot of those people were doing their first time ultra. And for me, like, I'm comfortable going out and just doing something on my own. But um, sometimes it really is nice to have, you know, kind of a protected, safe environment like that where, you know, there's aid stations set up. And if something goes wrong, there's medical people around and people can track you. And so they know where you are. And so, you know, I, I love races. I, I love the chance to be out there doing crazy stuff with other people. And I feel like I dig deeper and push myself more, you know, when I, when I have those built in supporters and, mm-hmm. and competitors that I'm racing with. And there's, there's a real, there's so many resources now compared to when I started, you know, when I started, it was a kind of like word of mouth. Like I heard about this thing that some guy did or, <laughs> My first ultra was in 1997 at the JFK 50 miler. And I think it was like, I signed up the day before or something, you know, cause I heard about it at like a running store, but now you can go on ultra sign up or just type in, you know, 50 miler near me or 50 K near me and get a bunch of information. And you can probably even see what the course looks like and, you know, what the fastest time is or, you know, what the cutoff times are and, you know, what kind of food they're going to have at the aid stations. Like, when I, when I started, it was like, I don't know, like maybe there'll be something, maybe not. Uh, so it's really a great time to be doing these things and you can even just, you know, follow people on social media that are doing it. So you have a sense of like what they do and how they get prepared. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of resources out there and stuff to really get you interested and 
I, I love, like for me, like I was just talking to a sponsor today about like, Hey, what do you want to do for next year? And I've always wanted to do this race called Zagama and, and it just looks amazing, but it's like people on the trail and everyone's like screaming. It looks like one of those bike races where the bikers are kind of like running through like uh-huh. a crowd and mm-hmm. like, you know, stuff like that gets me fired up. And, <laughs> and the other thing too, is like with social media now, like you could just go and ask like Killian, like, Hey, what's a cool race that you recommend or something, or just type in, you know, beautiful destination, long run or something and, and get a list of fun things to do. <laughs> so you've mentioned a few things along the way. Is there any gear that you feel is a must have for someone interested in getting into trail running or ultras? I don't think so. I mean, I'm lucky that I have a lot of nice gear, but I didn't start out that way. I mean, the biggest thing is, especially if it's a longer run, is to have something to carry hydration. So I use Nathan's and I've used their products for a long time. I really like their stuff, but you can find something that fits you and your body type really well. There's a lot of different brands out there that allow you to carry. And that's mostly like if you're out in the mountains, it's, you know, it's nice to have your phone with you to have some money to have like a space blanket. It's not really mandatory, but it, you know, it's kind of just smart stuff to have. Having nice uh, trail shoes is great. I mean, they're not a necessity unless you're doing something super intense where you're facing a lot of vertical or like severe consequence environments. So a lot of the East coast trails aren't super burly. They are more technical and you know, not as major ramifications. If you make a misstep, it's more like you're going to get, you know, trip over a root or rock or something, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the West coast trails where you're, you know, more exposed, like those are actually sometimes more runnable, but getting some nice shoes is, you know, helpful, but you can run trails and, and ultras and pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, Mike, we'll be thinking about you on Sunday as you take on the New York city marathon with your companion runner. So thanks so much for joining us and talking about running and pickleball. <laughs> You're very welcome. I, it's uh, two of my favorite things. So yeah. it's, it's always a pleasure and you guys are great. I'm excited to see how it turns out and, you know, let me know if I can help you guys ever again. All righty. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Well, Liz, yeah. you did a wonderful job not mocking us pickleballers too no, much. <laughs> no, you don't give me enough credit for how open-minded I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I, I got to say, I, I hear from a lot of listeners that they're playing pickleball or they're oh, I bet. trying. Oh, I bet. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. All right. All right. Well, if you enjoy this show or any of our shows, please rate us. Um, we'd love five stars, pretty please. And write a short review of our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Positive ratings and reviews truly help other folks find our podcast. So thank you for helping spread the word. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Many happy miles. 